we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 1,145 days into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, it is good to see you. We are back officially. Oh, by the way, uh, at time of recording, happy commie day. Yeah, happy commie day. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, they're burning all kinds of stuff down. They're burning cars down, smashing out storefronts, everything you can possibly think of in just about every major city across the Western world. That's uh, very, um, uh, well... Marxist? I was going to say... Uh, yeah, I was going to say um, very, in, you know, tolerant and accepting. And uh, but equitable. who are we kidding? It's Marxism equi- never. It's, it's equitable, equitable. That, because yes, it's that's true. it all has the same outcome. Everybody gets the same outcome. It's equal. Yeah. Right. So, you know, it's very equitable what they're doing. Very equitable. Yeah. Yes. While the police stand there and do nothing instead of thumping their skulls in and hitting them with water cannons and pepper spray and tear gas and every other thing you could think of and the rubber bullets and the rest of it. And that's being polite. But hey, who am I? Why should we have law and order, right? Of course, I'm being sarcastic. Well, I mean, who are we? We're the ones that if we were out there doing any just normal protests, we would be the ones that get tear gassed, rubber bullet, water cannon, because we're the ones that are... Yeah, yeah, uh, because we're on the right. We're these crazy whatever they call us. We're not even on the right. Not not like the far, mm-hmm. far right. Not not even that. You know, I detest those people. Mm. I I don't know. I'm 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 pushing towards. Uh, well, Overton um, window. Remember, you, you have to take that into consideration. Well, that's true. But I I'm actually pushing further right than I was. I was pretty much libertarian, classic liberal, you know, that kind of stuff. And now I'm kind of like, uh, how about we have no government at all, um, except for very, very, very minimal uh, government. How dare so you? I'm, I'm, how dare you want limited yeah. government and self-rule? How dare you want something like that? It's almost like you're a, a, a traditional American. How dare you? Yeah, that, that's true. Actually, uh, that is very true. Uh, I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm more so on that, that uh, fringe, if you will, of wanting smaller government. I'm further along than I used to be. Uh, I used to be small government, limited government. Now I'm like, um, just implode the entire thing the only thing that they should be doing is military that's it i don't think you should be doing anything else uh well securing the border of course that but that kind of goes along with military in my opinion can't have a secure border because we have to open our hearts and and open our arms to everyone in the world don't you have a heart bruce Mm. Yeah, I do, but uh, not only extend for... so far as the national pocketbook, right? Uh, well, uh, I, when you start accepting people that have committed murder nine times and has been deported five, and we still are sitting there with open arms to that individual, um, you're way outside of my um, acceptance. You know, tolerance I was. Uh, yeah, I was. <laughs> tolerance is not a Christian virtue. I can assure you, it's really not, Mister House Theologian. It's would true. you agree or disagree? And that, that's that's very true. In fact, um, I, I would uh, reference you to Ananias and Sapphira, who came in and lied to a minister and fell over dead. Yeah. So it's it. I I would argue that I don't think God really takes it very lightly either. Um, no, but. no. And Christ wasn't tolerant when he met some money changers either. True. 
This is very true. The border. You mentioned the border. Do you really want to talk about the border? I mean, there's the whole thing with with Senator Hawley. Do you you really want to talk about that? Do you you want to touch on that? I mean, there's so much that we can get into. I'd like to get your take on what we discussed on Friday of last week because you were AFK because the plumber came and or somebody showed up and something like that. And, you know, Marty gave his description on what he thought happened. We'll leave it at that because you weren't here for that. But would you like to uh, to talk about uh, Senator Hawley and what he brought up first, or would you like to actually? I'll tell you what. Let's let's do that. Let's just get that out of the way. Yeah, uh, because I, I would like to. Because I think what what you have to say on the other research that we've been doing, I think that you know, because that's the turn we're going to now take. I think that that's going to be a longer conversation. I think you've got a lot more to weigh in on that. Josh Hawley has said that we are now modern day slave traders, and he wants to know where and how we lost 85,000 migrant children. Yeah, I think uh, Chip Roy was also, he had a good rant on this uh, as well on the House floor. 85,000 migrant children. How do they just disappear? The government isn't like keeping tabs on where they are. My understanding is, is how they do this is they just, the kids come across the border and then they usher the kids over to someone that claims to be a parent or a family member here in the United States. Now, these people that these kids come with sometimes, they're not their parents. Uh, When they ask the kids, the story does not match up with the adult that they're accompanying. And yet, we're still allowing the kids to go with these people. This is human trafficking, and our government is facilitating it. And these 85 kids, I think they were human trafficked. I I think they're either... Yeah, eight, what did I say? Yeah, eighty-five thousand. Sorry, I think so. yeah, eight. You said oh, eighty-five. Well, yeah. You're missing yeah I, that yeah. times quite a bit. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So these eighty-five thousand, they're um, they've been human trafficked. Uh, whether or not they're in the sex trade, slave, or they were just used, exploited uh, to get illegals across the border, we don't know. Uh, we don't know the details of what, what's you going know, on. One of the biggest problems we've faced, and this is not just relegated to underage people that are crossing the border. It's not just confined to that. One of the problems that we're running into, and this has not been something that's some new revelation. It's not It's not a, a new concept that people are just now trying to adjust to. The problem that we're running into, and we've mentioned this many times before, is the people that are coming in from Central and South America into the United States across the southern border, they are illiterate in their own language. They don't speak, read, or write in Spanish. To further that, to go along with this, these 85,000 children, some of them that have been screened by the Border Patrol or DHS that are down there, have found that they don't speak Spanish either. So let me put this into perspective. If you have an unaccompanied minor, which we could go into, I think, probably an entire week's worth of research and presentations on the NGOs and the Catholic charities that foster the programs through the United Nations and others to bring them there in the first place. These are not starving people coming out of the third world. They have new phones. They have brand new Nike shoes. They've got gold chains, brand new haircuts and beer bellies, smoking cigarettes. A lot of them. I'm sorry. um, Shouldn't you be covered in, in dirt and grime and uh, and starving and, and have tattered clothes and, and all the rest of it when you arrive at uh, a first world country like the U.S. and you say, oh, I'm so glad I made it here to, to freedom. You don't look like you were starving where you were coming from. Who's paying for that? But anyway, I'm, I'm kind of getting off track here. Back to the, the, the unaccompanied minors, because Holly's right on this and so is Chip Roy. The problem they're running into is they don't speak Spanish or English, obviously, which those are the two languages that the Border Patrol and DHS speak to be down there on the border. It's a requirement to speak Spanish to be a Border Patrolman fluently. If the child, if the the unaccompanied minor, whatever label they want to stick on it, if they can't speak, read, write, or interpret English or Spanish, and they're in trouble and they're in danger of being trafficked, how is that child supposed to ask for help? And yet none of this is taken into consideration. Just let them all in, that's fine, and we'll sort it out later with no tracking, no tracing, no follow-ups, no court dates, no appearances, nothing. The- it's even worse than the 85,000. It's even worse than that. According to Border uh, Patrol agents, they have encountered over 356,000 since 2021 of unaccompanied minors. 
and the HHS has loosened the vetting process for sponsors and anyone that's whistleblowing and and speaking out against this, uh, they're being retaliated against and HHS is coming after them. Yeah, so they're they're silencing all of this. So it sounds to me like HHS is involved in uh, human trafficking themselves. And let's be honest, the immigration tactics that are being used is a, another tool of revolution against us. It's designed to promote a system called Cloward and Piven. You can read about that. That was developed by two guys named Cloward and Piven out of Columbia University. The concept of that is, just to break it down for anyone that doesn't want to go and look it up, the concept of that is, is that you bring in so many people from outside the country and you shove them in to your bureaucracy and your social systems that it overwhelms the systems and it collapses and it creates chaos, which is exactly what those that are fomenting and importing the revolution need. During a Senate Finance Committee hearing in late March, HHS Secretary Xavier Becerra said he doesn't know anything about the 85,000. He's never heard of that. Never heard of it. I'm quoting here. He says, I have never heard that number of 85,000. I don't know where it comes from. And so I would say it doesn't sound at all to be realistic. And what we do is we try and follow up as best we can with these kids. Congress has given us certain authorities. Our authorities end when we have found a suitable sponsor to place that child with. We try and do some follow-up, but neither the child nor the sponsor is actually obligated to follow up with us. Um, so you're having someone come across the border illegally. You're not properly vetting the uh, sponsor. And then when you do traffic the kid to the sponsor, oh, excuse me, when you do deliver the kid to the sponsor, you then don't follow up at all to make sure that not only is the sponsor who they say they are, the kid doesn't get exploited in some way, whether it be uh, for, you know, business, because they, they get exploited for things like um, factory workers, um, roofing, all kinds of stuff, right? As well as um, uh, they get thrown into the sex trade. But no, nah, we, we, we don't follow up on that because they're not obligated. Uh, I'm sorry, you're in the country illegally. That means you're damn well obligated. You better show up. In fact, really, they shouldn't be in the country in the first place because they're illegal. Um, but I have but I have one I very important question regarding that. Do we refuse anybody? No. Uh, from I mean, what I've seen th so far, is there no. any kind of a refusal process? I mean, you can't tell me that every single person. We, we let me guess. Actually, we we no, refuse we uh, Europeans and Canadians. We we refuse tennis players that have not been properly vaccinated to come into our country. Uh -huh. yeah, as okay. an example. Yeah. So just yeah, open the floodgates, let them all in. Uh, it's it, what what more can you say? What more can you say? Apart from having volunteers go down there, which I think even some of the state legislatures you know, on the border states are actually open to that, at least the uh, the red states, uh, which, by the way, uh, if you think that Arizona was actually a, a legitimate deal, think again, because they needed that corridor to stay open. Otherwise, they would have lost every corridor of border crossing in the into the U.S. minus California. I was going to say, except for California. Uh, yeah, I'm also a little frustrated with Texas just a bit because I think, um, I think Abbott's actually playing politics. I think he's lying, he, yeah, Abbott, because he, he hasn't is. actually done anything to put action to words. He said uh, that it's um, an invasion, which gives him special powers to uh, use the National Guard to secure the border. Have you seen any of that yet? I, I would if I were governor of Texas, I would have already had the National Guard there, any of the Border Patrol or any of the, the federal government that is there that is not turning back illegals to arrest them on the spot and throw them in local prison and try them locally. That's what I would be doing personally if I were governor and be, you know, at least Texas would be secure. But um, uh, he's not doing that. He, it, I, I don't think we have a politician that has the balls to do something like that. I don't even think DeSantis would do that. Honestly, I, I don't think he would go to that extreme. Probably not. And I'll tell you what I would be doing. I would be contacting each county sheriff on the border counties. And I would be I would be asking that sheriff, what are you doing to deputize citizens that want to volunteer to help with this problem? That's what I would be asking. That is an authority they've had for a very, yes. very long time. Yes. In this nation. Yeah, that's a good that's a good it's a good point. Good. Uh, that would be very beneficial as well uh, in the local communities to get that cleared up. Uh, uh, and everybody's there. legal. Yeah, everybody's legal. Everybody's lawful. No one's breaking any laws. Everyone has legal authority. Everyone is able to present a case before court 
and the legislative process can continue if they don't have the judges in their back pockets, which they do most of them anyway. So they do have yeah. quite a few. That's enough about that. The border is a problem. OK, the southern the U.S. southern border is a problem. As a matter of fact, the northern border is a problem as well. They're actually intercepting more Chinese nationals and they're intercepting uh, people from Latin America in Canada. How the hell is that happening? How are they, like I understand the Chinese. They're flying in there. OK, fine. Sure. Sure. But the ones from Latin America, you're experiencing a surge from Latin America from the north. How are they getting up there? Uh, yeah, specifically, where are they getting the funds to travel there? And how is what? Well, like, how is Canada allowing this to happen as well? Because they're supposed to be an authoritarian state right now. Uh, and they're just allowing it to happen as well. So. I mean, I've crossed the, the U.S. border, the U.S.-Canada border many times. And I can tell you, for a citizen, it's sealed like a drum. I've had my car inspected. I've had to answer 20 questions on both sides just for going in to spend a couple of days there or a week or a month or whatever it was, you know, if I was on business or whatever it was. And I had to, I, like, I was read the riot act every time I went through, but not anymore. I mean, I guess it still would be if I tried to go through. Uh, or if any American tried to go through, but goodness. All right, uh, that's enough about that. The border's a problem. Moral of the story. Last week, we ended on our research that we took a couple of weeks off for, and we're still doing it. Bruce, your thoughts? Uh, it's quite a bit uh, that we that we talked about uh, on Friday's uh, podcast about where we are now, what we believe is going on, all of the research we've looked into, and um, I'd be happy to get your take on it, and we can continue this conversation as long as you'd like, because there's a lot to speak on, there's uh, there's a lot to cover, and there's more to cover that we haven't covered yet. So I suppose let's just get into it. What do you, what do you got? What are your thoughts on it? Well, uh, the, the my thoughts are words I can't say because we're family friendly. The nation is uh, a bit more corrupt than we previously thought. Um, the West is a bit more yes. corrupt than we previously the thought. The West, yes. Yeah, the West in general, yes. I already knew that America uh, was pretty corrupt. I, I wasn't too keen or, or knowledgeable on how bad it was in Europe because, you know, I've never visited Europe, so it, that's not something I'm familiar with. But I knew the U.S. was um, beforehand, but now after hearing, uh, reading and hearing and seeing some of what's been going on here uh we've been heavily infiltrated for a long time by marxists and uh it it infiltrates the tops of our government it, it's not governments plural not, um uh you know the western world i don't even know where to begin on my 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 tirade on we should be purging every single department uh every single bureaucrat they they should be removed from office it also extends out now to every politician, every single like we should be having these, uh, you know, the McCarthy hearings back in the day when they were going after trying to find communists. Uh, we should be doing the same thing for for Marxists and just flat Marxists in every single department at every level of government, local, federal. I mean, we should be this should be it is so corrupted and so infiltrated. And the thing is, the people that came over here with all the, the documents that were showing that, hey, you guys are infiltrated that you, at the very tops of your government, nobody paid attention to it. Nobody listened. And well, it makes sense if the tops of our government were already corrupted. It makes sense nobody listened to it because they're, they're part of the corruption. But those that we have elected that aren't corrupted, uh, you know, like the Ted Cruz, the Hollies, the, you know, Mike Lees, all of them, I don't know that they would believe it. I, I, I don't know that even, even if they did believe it, I don't know what they could do about it because it, it, it's only a handful. You, you have some of the big names that have been in here in the United States. They've been in office for, you know, 40 years and they're taking funds from China, Russia. Uh, I mean, the, the, the business deals that they have. Mitch McConnell is a prime it's example. 25, he clears 25 mil a year. From the Chinese Communist Party. How is that allowed? Like, we're talking, some of the stuff that we're talking about, this is like literally treason. I'm not being hy hyperbolic. This is literal treason. We, we should literally see people executed for this kind of stuff that, that we've, we've found. Uh, but of course, that's, you know, it's not happened yet. And this is, this, the problem is, is this has been going on for like 60 plus years. And it's, it's really, it's really depressing, honestly. Because the, the nation that I grew to love, or the ideas of the nation, 
um, it has been tainted for, you know, like I said, 60 plus years and it, it, it's disappointing. It's, it's, it really makes me want to get into politics, honestly. And it really makes me want to be a pain in the ass and make them come after me. Uh, that, that's the kind of like, it just infuriates me. The problem is, is that you're a person of honesty. You're a person of integrity. You're someone that cannot be bought. You're someone that cannot be coerced. You're someone that cannot be blackmailed. So therefore, your political career is finished before it ever gets started. That's the problem that we now face is all of these things, all of these these issues that that surround our society. This is a symptom of a larger problem. Everything is inverted, if you hadn't noticed, in the last 20, 25, 30 years, whatever. It's been a slow step-by-step -step process. And that's that goes to part of this, where you say that it makes you sad. Well, that's exactly what it's designed to do. It's designed to make you sad. It's designed to demoralize you, to make you want to just shut down and give up and say, well, there's no point. That's the whole point of this, is it's designed to make you quit. They want you to quit. I I would I would push just a little bit on this part real quick. Uh-huh. As an American, now we tend to be arrogant and all that uh, what the Europeans say, but Well, we are. Part of the yeah, well, we are. We we do have the greatest nation in the world. The problem is the classic America idea, the American uh spirit. When you push us like that and you try to demoralize us, it's supposed to do the exact opposite. It's supposed to invigorate us and push us to do harder that that's that's the classic american if you look at for example our like the greatest generation uh you know during world war ii you look at the kind of uh atrocities they had to deal with and how they pushed forward even though uh they were outnumbered they were outgunned in many cases and they still fought it, it's the same that's the kind of fighting spirit that i expect out of americans just in general and obviously that's that's a uh, not uh, not common uh, nowadays, but they're actually they're they're subjugating. They're they're changing that direct. They're they're focusing that drive towards things like uh, COVID or or climate change. Uh, they're 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 shifting that and saying, well, your your uh, grandparents fought during the you know fought the Nazis. Now your job is to fight climate change. So they are. We still have that spirit. It's just being uh, subjugated, basically. Yeah, but it's a replacement of what our ancestors have passed on to us. You know, it's a subversion process. That's what's happened here is these things that we're supposed to do, these these things that that we build societies on are being removed. For example, spirituality, right? Can we say or can we not say that the church has been subverted, undermined and re basically rewritten at this point? Can we not say that? Yeah, there there's a large portion of it that has been right. Uh, okay, so yeah. by doing that, you have removed man's purpose. Yes, I said man. Excuse me. No, I don't excuse me for that. You have removed man's spiritual purpose. You have removed his sense of higher power. You've removed his sense of rank and order in the world to believe in something that's higher than himself. Man desires spiritual guidance. It's just the order of things. That's how things are. That has been removed. So we move on to the next thing, mother and father. We can't say that anymore, can we? That's being removed everywhere. It's being considered hate speech and, and God knows what else, right or wrong. That is correct. That's, that is that's correct. That's what they've been doing. Okay. Yeah. So we don't have spiritual guidance. We don't have parental guidance either, right? We don't have authority figures that are parents that raise, nurture, and protect people in society. Oh. We don't have that. The White House... That the White House has said that kids are owned by the community now. It's That's not, right. That's they're right. not private. That's right. So we have done that. We have replaced and reversed the role of men and women. Have we not? Women's emancipation movement, feminist movement, all the rest of it. Yeah. What does that yeah. lead to? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we flipped all that around. All of these things, all of these processes, and I can go on and I will, but all of these processes are parts of societal subversion, civilization subversion. All of these things have been replaced, infiltrated, subverted, and replaced. These are the fundamental building blocks of how we build our civilization. If we don't have these basic things that I just mentioned, we don't have civilization. Civilization will die, plain and simple. Plain and simple. There's no other way around that. Civilization will die. The human race will die. Now, to go further with it, we have the replacing of science, which you touched on. 
science has been replaced. Science has been removed. We've replaced that with scientism, everything with COVID, right? All of that has been replaced as well. So you have to follow that mantra. Gender. Gender. I, I was getting to that gender ideology, all the rest of it. We have flipped the intellectual prowess of people. I would argue, and many others would argue, and, and I've read several uh, studies and, and gotten several takes on, on this fact. I would argue that the single most destructive force in modern human civilization has been the television. Let me explain. People are addicted to the television these days. Maybe not quite so much as they used to be because television is getting kind of boring. But let's look at this in terms of where people are intellectually. People used to read books. People used to delve into serious topics to be able to educate themselves and inform themselves on things. They don't do that anymore. Now, largely, it's easier, and it is, by and large, it is easier to flip on the television to get what you need. You get presented a set of whatever by whoever on mainstream media, and and that person is going to give you the events of the day and the news and everything else. What they don't give you is context. All knowledge is derived from context, correct? So if we don't have context or if we have skewed context, then you don't have knowledge at all, do you? The television presenter, does that television presenter, whoever it is, I don't care, right, left, center, doesn't matter, whatever network, I don't care. Does that television presenter do their own homework? The answer is no. They have writers, producers, directors, and everything else that do all of that for them. They put it together on a teleprompter and they sit there and they read a script to you. There is no context there. All the context is off camera. You don't get context. So therefore, if that person is presenting you the news and gives you no context and the context is even slightly skewed and it is enhanced by the images that have been edited and tailored and and presented to you in a specific manner to provoke a response from you, then that whole event becomes a lie, doesn't it? People don't stop to think this. They just go around and they they shout about whatever they saw and they take that as the as the absolute truth without actually going and looking for something for themselves. You add to that what is passing for entertainment or idolatry these days. The celebrity. Really? The politician. Are you kidding me? These are the lowest IQ people we have in society. The social media influencer, those people don't know anything. They know nothing. They know less than nothing. And that is elevated as some type of a, a deity or something. I, mean, I don't know how else to describe it because that's what they, they you know, I, the narcissism there is real. The gangster culture. Don't tell me it hasn't been there in the U.S. In, in, since the 1990s is where it started. The gangster culture started out with the, uh, the, the tough guy with the leather jacket and the, and the, the SMG, you know, the, the submachine guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, Kurt Russell escaped from New York, that kind of stuff. Started out with that. Then it got moved into music, that kind of thing. Rap music, gangster rap music, all that stuff. We idolize the gangster. We idolize the prostitute. We idolize the criminal. That is what has been presented to us. The person who actually has a brain that can think, the person that has a sense of honor, the person that doesn't need affirmation from everybody else in the world or however many followers they have, as marked as the enemy of society. They're dragged down. They're beaten up. They're called asocial and and everything else because that person is stupid, right? You're an informed person. You're listening or following that celebrity or that politician or that agenda. All of these things that I have mentioned, everything from the start of this segment has been a step-by-step process of infiltration, subversion, and will lead to societal destruction. And what do they replace it with? Has anybody asked that question? Anybody that follows any of these topics or even just a part of these topics, because you don't have to be in all of it. They just need you to be into a part of it. The power structure, the entertainment industry, everything. They all promise you utopia, right? Goodies, everything else. From what? From where? I mean, we're seeing the system that they're building now. Is any of that bearing fruit of some kind of utopia? I I don't think so. I I don't see anything that, that resembles anything of the sort. It looks like decadence, decay, and it's going to lead to collapse. And there's not going to be a utopia on the other side. We're headed into a new form of barbarism. This all stems from our research, this this whole line of of everything that that I'm discussing. This all stems from our research. These people that are implementing this policy, these, these bureaucrats and everything else, these are not intelligent people. I don't care what institutions they've gone to. Quite frankly, I think you should ask for your money back, to be fair. 
if you have gone through these institutions and you become indoctrinated into this way of thinking and you think that you're doing some greater good in the new religion called cultural Marxism, I got news for you. You're going to be very disappointed when that system comes in because all of you people, you're all going to be the first to go. Every bit of a defector testimony that we've read, we've played Yuri Bezmenov here before. I don't think I need to play it again. But do you think I should, just for, for context, just for reference, do you think I should? Sure. Yeah, there might be somebody that's listening that has not heard this before. That is true. This is Yuri Bezmenov. He defected to us in, well, the West in general. He defected to Canada, I believe. Uh, actually got intercepted by our CIA, CIA guys in the uh, in the 1960s. This is what he said, just a small snippet. This is what he said about all of the people that bring this system in. What happens to them? But to eliminate the others, to execute the others, don't they serve some purpose? Wouldn't they be the no, ones they, they rely they on? They serve purpose only at the stage of destabilization of a nation. For example, your leftists in the United States, all these professors and all these beautiful civil rights defenders, they are instrumental in the process of the, of the uh, uh, subversion only to destabilize the nation. When their job is completed, they are, non, they are not needed anymore. They know too much. Some of them, when, when they get disillusioned, when they see that Marxist-Lenin has come to power, they, obviously they get offended. They think that they will come to power. That will never happen, of course. They will be lined up against the wall and shot. You don't make it. I got some bad news for you. If you haven't figured that out by now, you, you don't make it. You never do. Doesn't matter which type of totalitarian system rises, you don't make it. And so what's it going to be when all of that comes to pass? Because that's the path we're, we're on. That's why I say that's, you know, what's it going to be when it comes to pass? Because I don't see anybody pulling the emergency brake here, do you? In any of our countries, I, I don't see anybody jerking no. that steering wheel off the side of the road in the, the car that's out of control. I don't see anybody taking the controls in the cockpit there for a controlled crash landing. So we can try and salvage something like this. I, I don't see anybody doing that. Do you? Well, depends on who you ask. If you ask World Economic Forum, that's what they're doing, supposedly. That's what they're doing. Well, they're doing it on our behalf. How how kind of them. Which, by the way, we did talk about the connection with Mr. Kissinger and Mr. Schwab and and how we pretty much run, ran down the fact that they use that as a communist front to reverse infiltrate all of our businesses, academia, our hedge funds, our financial institutions, our banking systems, uh, if I didn't say that already, our governments, that type of thing. They needed a way to do that. And they already had their guy to do it. And it was dear old Klaus. And he was he was so happy to to take up the uh, the cause. It was awful nice of him. But they're going to plan the future. No, no, I don't think so. The reason they're not going to is because it's not going to work. We're already on this track. We're already on it. We're already starting to see the consequences of their failed destructive policies. We're already seeing it. Shutting off our energy as in turning it off, shutting our coal fire plants off shutting down our gas burners, shutting down our nukes, and they say hydroelectric is next. And what did I say well over a year ago when they just floated this idea? I said they have nothing to replace it with. Nothing. There's not some grandiose plan to come along and give you a new source of energy. They're banking on wind and solar. That's not going to work. We've been over that time and again. Those damn solar panels, you can't do anything with them. They're completely useless. They're completely useless. And don't tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about. I have them. I have them. The windmills, those damn things will rust in place once they figure out and when I say they, I'm talking about the actual public here. Once they figure out that that whole thing is a con job, do you know what they actually do in France? They actually got caught with this uh, a couple of months ago. They actually got caught having to use some of their nuclear power to offset the windmills because they just weren't producing anything. Because these three propeller windmills that they build that are just eyesores, and, and they do more ecological damage than, than anything else, they only catch 3% or less of the wind that actually passes through them. How is that environmentally friendly? How is that efficient? On top of that, you can't recycle any of it. And so what do we do? When it reaches end of life, we tear it down and we disassemble it and we bury it in a landfill. How 
is that environmentally friendly. For all of these champions of the environment and, and champions of science and everything else, how is that environmentally friendly? Somebody please tell me. I'll wait for an answer. That's fine. I've got time. We're now moving diesel back to 2036 because they're realizing how, well, you know, we probably shouldn't turn this off uh, next year like we wanted to. So we probably need to wait just a little bit longer. So they'll wait another generation. Then they'll turn it off. And they still, on current pace, will have nothing to replace it with. How is this system, for, for any of these, these wound up lunatics, and I, I don't expect them to, to ever understand, but how is this system ever supposed to produce some kind of a utopia? How do they ever expect that to, to be the case? You want to destroy the, uh, well, the old saying, the goose that lays the golden egg. Well, our free market capitalist society in the West lays golden eggs every day. So what are you going to replace it with? Are you going to replace it with the people that are coming in? Because the, the adage here from the World Economic Forum, not my words, the adage from the World Economic Forum is today's refugee is tomorrow's CEO. Okay, how is a refugee who can't read or write in their own language going to be a CEO? You're going to educate them in these universities and these institutions that we have here. We have already shown that these institutions that we have here produce nothing. They produce nothing. They produce morons. They produce bureaucrats, useless, unintelligent bureaucrats. That's what they produce. If you don't believe that, there's a book out there, and I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm getting to this book uh, very soon. It's called Credentialed to Destroy. The author's name is Robin Eubanks. And basically the argument made there, and I can't say I disagree with this, at least on the surface. The argument there is that uh, Russia and, and China have taken over our educational institutions, again, reverse infiltration, and they have used these systems to build their bureaucratic systems here in the West. These people don't know anything. They're not meant to know anything. They're meant to be recruited to be a bureaucrat. They come out of the institutions believing that they have a superior intellect because they've been indoctrinated into the new way of thinking. Honestly, uh, it's talking about the refugee uh, being the future CEO. They're empty vessels. They're just like the politicians that you're talking about. They'll do as they're told. And I, I think that's the intent with these uh, CEOs of the future is they're going to follow the lead of whatever politician or artificial intelligence uh, now that we're pushing towards that. And that's going to create our utopia for us as uh, artificial intelligence. Because of those, uh, you're, you're going to have to have empty vessels, puppets, to give the illusion that there's still humans running everything. There's still, there's not some shadow government or something like that running everything. I, I think that's more or less going to uh, be the future. Why not have a refugee that has nothing, that has uh, that came to the country, uh, whatever country it is, with nothing, that is unable to talk uh, in their or speak in their own language or read in their own language. Why not uh, give them everything they have and threaten them that um, uh, everything that you have, we can easily take away just the same as we gave it to you. We can take it away from you and they will do as they're told. Yeah, I, I, I see that more more so happening uh, that because you can't have the Western ideology. It's difficult to have. All of that's been replaced. You have a conscience. All, all of it's been subverted. All of that has been you, you had in order for us to be here now. Everything that, that I just went through had to be subverted and, and remade. Yeah, uh, the, the, the Western world has a conscience. Uh, the Western world is it. It's a bit traditionally. It's a bit. Um, it doesn't like the idea of tyranny. So you you have to you have to have some kind of illusion. You have to have some kind of smokescreen in place. Yeah, the the generations that you're bringing up are more in tune with Marxism as a whole. But when they start tasting of totalitarianism, uh, they will begin to dislike it and they will become disenfranchised. So you have to have some kind of illusion uh, in place. Honestly, I, I think that's what's going on. I think that's what artificial intelligence is. I think that's what social credit is. It's going to give you the illusion at first. And then once you get a taste of it, you're hooked. You can't get off of it because there's no way out. You're, you're trapped as, as to... Um, I, I like this line, uh, not really like the line, I just use it a lot uh, in my day-to-day. -day. Uh, it's a Lord of the Rings line when uh, the Fellowship is in, in the Mines of Moria, and they got the book open, and he, they're reading the, the diary of what happened. We cannot get out. Uh, we're trapped. That's what's happening. There's enemies on all sides. You're trapped. Uh, that's what's going to end up happening, is you're going to have enemies on all sides, 
there's no way out. You're going to hear the war drums and it's either you comply or die. And that's what we're coming. That's what we're getting closer and closer to. I'm inclined to agree with you on on many of those points that you made. However, the system itself, the end product is is what I'm looking at. So I'm I'm foregoing all of the the processes because we know that inevitably we we're going to get to the end product, right? Which is the destruction of the West. So the system itself, even the system that they're proposing that you're talking about, and again, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you, but the system that you're that you're talking about that they're wanting to bring in produces nothing. The system produces nothing. There's no currency. There's no supply and demand. Because remember, through Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, they're going to pick the winners and losers because they know best, right? You don't. The consumer doesn't. It's not supply and demand. It's a controlled economy. It's a planned economy. They never work, ever. No matter how much you say and that you're going to do it right this time and you're going to administrate it properly, it never works. Unless you have a free market economy, every single time they've tried to implement something other than a free market economy in the world, in human history, it has always failed miserably and people die. So the system that you're talking about, again, I don't disagree with the way that you're talking about them structuring it, but at the end, it's a failure. It's, a, it's an abject failure. Agreed. And a lot of people are going to die in between. A lot of people are going to, uh, well, lose everything at least uh, in between that, that process. And it's going to take some effort. Uh, I, I don't know that we get out of that system because once artificial intelligence is used to control us, how do you shut it off when it's everywhere? I have an answer, but I don't think you'll accept it. Well, I, I would agree that uh, going back to the dark ages where we don't have technology. But the problem is, is how do you give that up? How do you in mass force people to give that up to get rid of the artificial intelligence? How do you do it? For us as the little people, we have no way of doing it. Um, we don't have some nuke at our disposal to EMP a bunch of things. You, we, we're not going to be able to go in and infiltrate a, like a, you know, the power supplies and, and you know, take those over and what. I don't there think is we'll no way to. for the average person to do that. I don't think we'll have to. And the reason I say is I, I don't think we'll have to, because let's be honest, that would never happen. But I don't believe that, that the, the people will have to do that, because I believe that the people that are bringing in the current system, if they can't have it, they'll nuke it. Because let's be honest, they're not giving anyone a choice now, are they? They wouldn't give anyone no. a choice with that way either. Well, no, but they're going to get entrapped as well. I think it'll be too late for them to uh, enact or change themselves. I think I think it's I think once artificial intelligence is is released as a controlling body, there is no coming back. There is no I, I don't think there's an off switch, even for the elite. I, I don't think they're going to be able to shut it down. So, no, I, I personally, that's my there is no coming back line is is once we release AI as a, a governing body. I, I don't think we can shut it off because once it's a governing body, how do you set off the nukes? It's in control. It has everything. It, it's controlling everyone. We've taught it how to manipulate humans. That is true. I'm actually reading stories about how people, because you can put it on your, your phone now, there's apps that you can download and you can talk to it and it actually manipulates people. Uh, look at uh, look at Facebook, Twitter, uh, look at social media. Those are algorithms. That's AI. Those are AI. And we've trained it how to better uh, understand humans and manipulate them. TikTok, same thing. They, they've learned how to manipulate people and, and get them to click the next link. Well, it's like what I laid out with the television watcher. It's the same concept. Someone watches television or I mean, even to an extent, social media. There's no context. There, there's no there's no context to it. You could argue, OK, this the same ab about what we do. You could argue that. OK, I could see that. I could see how someone would say that. Well, you're sitting up here and you're you're telling people uh, about how things are. Yes, but we have done our research on the matters that we speak on and we reference our research so you, the end user, the listener, i.e. the listener, can go out, look at the same research that we have looked at, and you can come up with your own context to see if what we're discussing and what we're weighing in on is relevant, what we believe is, is the right track. Maybe you have a differing of opinion, but the difference with us and others like us is we give you the option to make your mind up for yourself. It's not made up for you. It's not manipulated for you. 
Well, and we also say we're commentators. We're just commenting. We're we're presenting this information to you as commenters. Uh, full Wells saying that we have a bias. Um, that that's made clear right up front. Whereas when you watch the news, they're presenting it to you as if it's fact, as if the way that they're presenting it is the only way to interpret it. That's not what we're we're trying to do here. As you said, we're trying to encourage you to think for yourself, not to just take everything that we say a whole cloth and say, oh, this is the way it is. No, you do the inform you do the research and look at the information yourself. Uh, we're just trying to point you in the directions that you should be looking. You have to remember to start. Yeah, at least for a start, you have to remember, and to your point, just to kind of add to it, the television network, they only have one concern, and that's their ratings. If they don't have ratings, they don't have income. If they don't have income, they don't have a staff. If they don't have a staff to produce the show, then they don't have viewers. Well, I, I would argue that was the way they used to do it, but uh, Fox News made that uh, clear that that's not what they're doing. Yes, anymore. that's true. Since we're in the era of woke politics, i.e., Anheuser Busch, since we're in that era, they've lost uh, what, what, like seventeen billion dollars already, and they just don't care. So yeah. well, these companies, uh, they 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 do care because they're changing their marketing. They're changing their so Anheuser Busch isn't fully sold yet. But they're they're trying to win those woke points at the same time. But yeah, well, they have a they have an ESG score to to adhere to, Bruce. They they have to keep up with the uh, the DIE, the diversity, inclusion, equity, whatever it is, whatever they come up with this week. Which, by the way, the anagram it actually fits. That's what happens. It does. Yeah, it does. It does. That's what happens. So. As always, we do encourage people to do their own research. I have several books that I'm actually in the process of reading now. I'm still looking into uh, more defector literature. Uh, I've been able to acquire a few more pieces on uh, some of these subjects. And I'll be honest with you, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do to find this stuff. But as we go through these things uh, and as we we read further and, and we research further into these these topics that we're going to be discussing in in the coming uh, days, weeks, months and years, I would encourage people to look one place in particular, and that is the National Archives. You can find all of this information largely is available there. Now, for anybody that has a, a tablet or a PDF reader of some kind, there is a multitude of information that's available right there. And that's where we started a lot of this research, because a lot of these these books are digitally archived in the National Archives, and you can go and get them yourself. Uh, for example, uh, a lot of the uh, the defector literature we're looking at, for example, uh, there's a book out there called Red Cocaine, written by a guy named Joseph Douglas. And it talks about how uh, the Soviet Union took over the drug trade uh, along with China in the mid-1960s, and they were able to now control the flow of drugs and use it as tools of revolution against Western nations. Where are we in America with the, the opioid crisis? Is it an opioid crisis, or is it a crisis that we don't want to mention because, well, we don't want to rock the geopolitical boat. We don't want to cause any problems. We don't want to cause any uh, uh, any rigidity in uh, in our nations. We don't want to do that. Why is that? Well, that's because most of the politicians, as we said, they're in business with these people. You cannot, and I will say that again and again and again until I'm blue in the face, you cannot do business with totalitarians, criminals, or gangsters in any way, shape, or form. Because if you do, and believe me, I have a little bit of experience in investigating these types of people, if you do, you are now forever beholden to them and you are guilty after the fact. We have no business doing business with any of these countries that enslave and murder their own people. What would I do if I were president of the United States? I would revoke any kind of diplomatic recognition that any of these countries had until they straighten up. And I would call them out on it on the world stage. Oh, we can't do that, though, can we? Political convenience, remember? If you try and find some of these pieces of literature, you're going to spend hundreds, thousands of dollars in some cases. So I would highly recommend you go over to the National Archives and you find them there if you're so inclined. That one book that I just mentioned, Red Cocaine, it's on Amazon. We found it. Bruce, what was it? About $2,300, 2,300 euros, somewhere along in there. Yeah. 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 That's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. The Perestroika Deception by Anatoly Galitsyn, his second book in his memorandums he wrote to the CIA about how all of the collapse of the Soviet Union was faked. That's a public book. All of this that we're discussing, all of this is, is open source information. This is not hidden or you need security clearance or it was classified or any of that stuff. All of this is publicly available. It was just ignored. If you want that book, that will run you around $200. That's wrong. 
That is wrong. Keeping information like this from people. Whether or not you agree with it or not is a moot point. The fact is, is that it is unattainable to the average person. That's not right. It only becomes available to people that have a big enough checkbook, pocketbook, whatever you want to call it. A lot of the world doesn't use checks anymore. Or people within the academic circles. On top of that, nobody wants to read that stuff. I mean, it's awful boring, right? We're not entertained enough when we read that kind of stuff. This is, it goes back to my earlier problem. People don't read serious books. One of the books I found, I've not seen anywhere other than, um, than one place, and it was around uh, $150. It was a book that was printed in 1980, and it was about the, uh, the Soviet military strategy in Europe. Why would I read that? Why, why would, I, would I pick such a book to read? Because if we're looking at the situation at hand as the Soviet Union didn't collapse, and we're working off of the theory that Anatoly Galitsyn and other defectors told us about as it relates to the long-range block policy that they developed in 1960, well, developed in the 1950s, implemented in 1960, and we look at the foreign policy of Russia today, not the network, I'm talking about the country, of Russia today, they have the same foreign policy as they had before. So logic would dictate that it's still relevant. Why is that book $150? I was lucky enough to find it for about 13. It was an ex-library copy. It was in really good condition. It was almost brand new. And when I was going through it with uh, with Marty, he said, no one's ever going to read that. That's why you got it you know, the way you did, because nobody's ever going to read that. Who would read that? It was printed and it was stuck on a library shelf somewhere and it was probably never checked out. I got the checkout cards. I don't think it was ever checked out. That book's been sitting there since before I was born. All of this information has been around since long before we were born, and yet nothing has been done about it. Probably because, as I said uh, earlier, uh, and we've mentioned our governments were infiltrated uh, before these defectors uh, started uh, uh, making these uh, books. Yeah, and they've never been reprinted. Why not? I mean, if if it's just crazy talk and and things like that, well, then what, what harm does it do? I mean, if they obviously, if they all sold out in the first printing, why wouldn't you have another one? That's how it works in uh, books of today. You sell out first printing, they go for a second printing because you got to make them dollars. That's true. And here's another thing. A lot of these books that were written by these defectors, they weren't published by American publishing companies. Why not? Why weren't they published by American publishing companies? Oh, they were encouraged to write the books. Of course, you don't want them to say anything classified or anything. And I understand that, right? You can't say stuff like that. I get it. But if you encourage somebody to write a book or their memoirs, more more to the point, if you encourage them to, to tell their story and then they spend the time. And of course, these these guys that, that cross over, they they were all these books. This is the other tell. All these books were written by the defectors in Russian, and they were translated into English. No other language. It was only one translation. When you look at any even halfway promoted title these days, it is reprinted in just about every language that we have that's prominent around the world. It's printed in German, French, uh, English, of course, Spanish, Italian, Mandarin, Chinese. But none of these were printed outside of the English language, one printing, and a lot of them were done with British publishers because the guys that wrote these in the US went through all that trouble to sit down and and tell their stories. They took them to all the publishers and they said, well, you know, it's a great story, but um, we just can't print that. In my opinion, just looking at it like that, it's it's just, it's not right. You know, the way that these these guys, the way that these guys were treated when they crossed over. And look, I, I understand that guys that cross, that, you know, some of the, the defectors that cross over, they're sent there on purpose to deceive. I understand. You know, obviously you don't take every uh, every person at their word. I get it. But when someone crosses over and they give you everything, when someone at high level crosses over and they give you everything, they give you all the secret, all the classified stuff that you didn't know, that to me bears some type of, a, of an inkling. Hey, you might want to listen to this guy. If you've got top party level people, top intelligence officers that are defecting saying, listen, this is what these people are doing in this part of the world. And they're looking to destroy you. And here are the people in your institutions that are the problem. That's like me walking into your house, not knowing you and calling you stupid. You're not going to take very kindly to that, are you? And that's not forgiving the intelligence community. Maybe maybe my my brain is just wired differently because when I work criminal investigations, I want to know everything. I want to know everything. I want to know everybody on the outside. I want to know everybody on the inside. All of it. If I've got problems, if I'm compromised from the inside, if my team is compromised from the inside and someone on the outside defects and tells me that, 
I want to know it and I want to deal with it. Was the problem so big? Was it too embarrassing? I think it was. I think it was too big. I don't know that it was too embarrassing. Uh, I think it was too big in the sense of it was the tops. It was the brass. It was the guys at the heads that were the problem. There was uh, there was one that defected. I, I believe it was Galitsin or, or it could have been Lunev, uh, Colonel, Colonel Stanislav Lunev. Uh, I have his book, uh, Through the Eyes of the Enemy. It's a great book. It's, again, available digitally on the National Archives. You can pick it up. It was one of those two guys, but I'm pretty sure it was Galitsin that, that said when he defected in 61, he pointed the finger at, at the time, the head of the CIA. And this, this again, is another tell. We looked into that, uh, the, the head of the CIA under Eisenhower. And when, when that was found out, they actually had to pull him, as in they had, it was very quiet, and he was removed as head of the CIA, and his file is still classified to this day. Now, that to me is embarrassing. You know what else is embarrassing? I'll tell you what else is embarrassing. When you go through and you read, and I, Bruce, I had to read some of that, uh, some of that testimony in, in one of the chapters in, uh, in one of those books, the way that these guys are treated. You know, when, when you leave a country like that, when you, when you leave a system like that, when you're a high level person, we talk about how communism is this horrible, it's, it's, you know, it's full of depravity and it's full of just utter desperation of poverty. And it is for the average person. But for the, the party members, the high ranking party members, they live a life of privilege. Yeah, they're 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 fighting for you, the working people. Yeah, sure. They live a life of privilege. They they live in luxury. I'm getting ready to to read into um uh, to Jan Senya's book. And again, this is another one. A couple of hundred if you want to buy it, if you can find a copy. Again, one printing. The name of the book was called We Will Bury You. It's available on the National Archives for free. You can get the PDF copy or Kindle copy if you want to read it. But in the beginning, he describes his defection. He, he got into the car with his son and, and his fiance, his son's fiance in the Czech Republic or well, what is now the Czech Republic. It was Czechoslovakia at the time. He was a he was a general in the Communist Party. It was argued that he was the uh, the protege of Nikita Khrushchev. And when he got in his car, he he got in and they drove. They, they memorized everything they could. They, they took what documents they could and they drove. He, he said he drove as fast as the winter roads would allow him to drive because he was running. And I believe he ended up in uh, in Italy is, is where he ended up. Uh, or maybe it was Greece. I, I think it was Greece. But anyway, either, either way, he ended up uh, on the other side. You read the story in another book. You read it in, in, I believe it's in chapter 10 in Red Cocaine. You read the story about how that man was treated after his defection over the course of, of 10, 15, 20 years. I read that as as an American. And I, I read that as as an individual who has debriefed people in a professional manner, in, in a career. And I'm ashamed when I read how these guys were treated. I'm ashamed of that. Rather or not, they turn out to be people that are disinformants, which, by the way, I might I might just throw in this little this little point. Bruce, you, you'll love this little curveball. The guys that they sent after Galitzin, as in when Galitzin came and he started talking, naming all of those people, he named he had 600 names when he crossed over. The guys that they sent after that to discredit Galitzin, they sent those guys on purpose. All of those guys were believed. Um, so that right there just kind of uh, clarifies what we were saying. It was corrupted from the very get-go uh, when they were defecting here. Uh, it was already corrupt. And it continues today. And it will There's continue. no reason to believe it hasn't stopped. No. Uh, there's no, no reason. Well, I was I was explaining the uh, it's actually called the Galitzin effect. It still goes on at the CIA. I was actually reading about that in another book called um, Back from the Dead. The Return of the Evil Empire. You can pick that up on Amazon. I believe it was like eight bucks. Uh, that That's a newly printed book. You can check that out. Uh, but they explain that in there as well. It was uh, co-authored by four authors, I believe, uh, one of which was a high ranking member of the Russian KGB. Uh, he actually wrote another book. Uh, I don't know the name of it right now, but I'm trying to find it because it's one hundred and thirty five dollars. So it's it's one of those, you know, it's every time we try to find one of these books and I go to Bruce and I say, Bruce, I found another one. And he says, yeah, did you get it? And I'm like, well, I went to look for it and take a guess. And he says, uh-huh, it's one of those, isn't it? The latest one that I've actually, it's in transit, it's on its way, uh, it's called Blowing Up Russia. Uh, and it was written by and about uh, an FSB defector from 2006 named Alexander Livinenko. And you can check that book out if you can find it. I think the scans are available on the, uh, the National Archives. I believe it's there, but it's not very good. And I was able to acquire a copy for about 30 bucks. And so I, I couldn't say a hard copy and I couldn't say no to that. But this guy defected to tell us in 2006 that 
Putin was trying to resurrect the KGB. Within 30 days, he was poisoned in the UK. He was poisoned with polonium-210 and he was dead. So again, book, one printing, that was it. And it is same as all the others. And it was never paid any attention to. Kind of made clear in my mind. Honestly, uh, like I said, this is um, pretty deep and I don't know how to purge it. I don't know how to get rid of it. I, I don't know how to get this out of our system except to basically axe everyone, remove them from office, bureau bureaucracies, everything, get rid of everyone and investigate everything and just find a fine a tooth comb and just start going through every single thing. This is going to take really it's going to take multiple generations to get this out of our system, really. Uh, but I fear I'm I'm I fear we're a bit too late and we're going to we're going to pay the price and we're going to enjoy uh, Marxism uh, for a time and hopefully we'll be inoculated uh, against it when we get out of it. But uh, we'll, we'll see. There is one starting point. There is one starting point that everybody can take part in. There is one starting point. And it doesn't cost you any money to do this. It doesn't cost anybody, even anybody at the, at the policymaking level, it doesn't cost them any money to do this. It doesn't cost them, them anything. Well, maybe their careers, right? But let's be honest, uh, from the clip that we played of, of Besmanov, who was another defector, by the way, uh, he authored some papers under the name Thomas Schaumann. You can check that out there on the National Archives as well. But there is one thing that you can do to get the ball rolling to at least start and it's as simple as this. We have to acknowledge that this is actually a problem. We have to acknowledge that this actually exists. We have to acknowledge that these things are taking place. They have taken place and they will continue to take place unless people recognize it. Well, Bruce, I'm glad that you're back. Uh, I'm glad that we're back. It was a nice couple of weeks, I think, wasn't it? Was it was it a nice couple of weeks? It was actually, yeah. It was a nice couple of weeks, relatively speaking. I had uh, another fun with uh, plumbing uh, over that time period, but um, you know, hot water leak and got it repaired, and we're back in business now. Except now we have another drain leaks or problem rupture, so uh, not able to wa use the washing machine again. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was otherwise. It was good. Uh, it was a nice break. Nice break. Bad information. Well, I mean, it was good information, but it was very unpleasant. Yeah. Information. Uh, frustrating information. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it certainly was. Well, we're going to go ahead and call this one done, and we will be back with you uh, tomorrow again. Bruce, I would like to thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone. Have a great evening, and we will see you tomorrow.